We are in the book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and grab that with me. Proverbs chapter 14 is where we'll start out this morning. We're going to be in several Proverbs, but you can go to Proverbs 14. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one right in the row in front of you. Pull it up on your phone. Always want you to see God's words, uh, not just hear my words. And so pull up uh, your Bible, Proverbs chapter 14. Uh, we are in week two of a series entitled Wisdom in This World. And uh, we're talking about these different issues in our world, in your real world that you live in, where you work, in your family, in your neighborhood, issues you deal with, and how we want to live in a way that is wise and not foolish. Right? And last week we talked about you really have only one of those two options, that, that there's two houses and there's two competing voices and, and ladies calling out to you, inviting you in, su- seducing you in to their house, to their, their dinner table. And one of them is wisdom and life. And the other one is, is folly and, and death. And I believe for a lot of us, a really clear example of that is how we navigate anger. That the reality of it is many of us, what takes us out and causes us to live foolish lives or to to say foolish things or to, to make foolish acts that end up dividing our marriage, our relationships, our church community, it goes back to the way we navigate anger and the way we don't navigate it according to God's word and his his wisdom. But that voice is crying out to us of folly with our anger and we end up going towards death and maybe not literal death right away, but anger ends up killing us inside and it ends up killing our relationships. And so we need to talk about anger. And so I I wanted just to start off with a quick poll. How many of you struggle with anger? Okay, and the rest of y'all struggle with lying. Okay, there's a different sermon for you guys later, all right? Here's the reality. We all struggle with anger. Now, you're thinking about your husband right now. You're like, well, he definitely does. Or you're thinking about your neighbor. No, they definitely do. No, you do too. Uh, It just takes different forms, right? See, some of our anger is really visible, like that person who does lash out at home or lash out at work or berates people online. And you don't have to look around there's some people like that in this room. Uh, some of our anger, though, is more subtle. Like it's the passive, aggressive way that you treat people or you text people or you don't text people back. It's more subtle. For some of us, our anger is seemingly invisible. Right? You're always pushing it down, but it's actually welling up within you and you have a rage, a quiet bitterness welling up in your heart and in your soul, and it's dividing your very soul. It takes different forms, but we all struggle with, with anger. Uh, it's induced by different factors. And it's not the same for all of us. Some of us, it's just when you're hungry or hangry, right? And you just get angry. Some of us, it's, it's when you're tired. And some of us, it's, it's parents when you're tired, but there's some small people in your house, they're not tired yet. But before you can go to sleep, you have to put them to bed. Amen, parents? And you you get a little angry, right? For some of us, it's it's like traffic. Uh, For all of us, it's traffic. Come on. Like we, we all get angry in traffic. Everybody's been there where you're singing melodies, but then you start yelling profanities. 
And you wouldn't do that outside of a car, but you do that very freely inside your car, right? And so for some of us, it takes different forms. It's induced by different factors. I think some of us, the reality is maybe even over the last few years because of politics and polarization and a pandemic and maybe even some personal difficulty in your life, you have a low-grade frustration that's woven into every conversation and relationship in your life. I know I've seen a difference in the last few years, the way people, even inside the church, the way we treat each other, the way we're so quick-tempered, the way we love to quarrel. We all struggle with anger on some level. And we have to see, and Proverbs is going to say, anger is going to be the determining factor of whether we're wise or we're foolish, whether we experience life or death. So we have to talk about how do we navigate anger in this world, according to the wisdom of God. And so we're going to do that together. I want you to see it first in that verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. Look at the verse on the screen or in your Bible. Here's what it says. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. There's lots of verses I could have gone to. Here's why I went to this one. I think it's interesting. Did you notice? Look at the verse. It's not just one who has a hasty temper is foolish themselves. No, they exalt anger. They raise anger up for the community to see. They're elevating it. They're praising foolishness, rather, due to their anger. Anger is a big deal. And so our first point, we're going to ask this question is, Why? If you take notes, you can grab your study guide that you got when you walked in last week or this week. You can take it open and take notes and write down this first question. Why is anger a big deal? Why is anger such a big deal? Well, I believe we're going to see it today. It dishonors God and it hurts others and hardens us. You can flip here if you want to, or just look on the screen. Ephesians chapter four says it this way, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now there's two parts here we got to address. One is there is a righteous anger. Did you notice Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Psalm 4 says the same thing. Be angry and do not sin. There is a righteous anger, right? We see it in Jesus. He goes into the temple. Religious people of that day have made the house of God into a house of greed. And depending on which account you read, you see some pretty intense anger from Jesus. We see him driving people out with whips. We see him flipping over tables. We see him scaring the little pigeons. It's a crazy scene. By perfect Jesus, he was angry. It was a righteous anger. We see it in the Old Testament. We see the prophets kind of angry over sin, over idolatry, over oppression, there's some righteous anger. So some of you, you should be angry about some things in the world. When your neighbors or are abused, are aborted, are oppressed, that should rise up some anger within you. It shouldn't just be when you are inconvenienced. 
and cut off in traffic. Like if that's, the, if that's the moment that you can think of in the last few weeks or the last few years of your life, you're like, when's the last time I was just really angry? If it was you getting cut off in traffic or uh, that, that business who did you wrong or your boss who, who doesn't appreciate you, if that was when you got the most angry, maybe something's off. Because biblically, as, as God's people who have God's heart, we should be angry about sin, about abuse, about oppression, over and above our inconvenience. See, I, there is a, a righteous anger, but, but here's what I think many of us do. We make that our excuse for living angry, sinful lives. I mean, how, how many times have you you've been angry and you said, well, hey, well, Jesus was flipping over tables. Let me just, let's just, let's just get this straight. Jesus did that one time, right? That doesn't give you the license to do that every day. Some of you, that's your life verse. This is one example from Jesus, people, come on. How many other times do we see, no, Jesus was, was gentle. Jesus was loving. Hey, love your enemies. Hey, pray for those who persecute you. First uh, Peter, it says it, uh, this way, that when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. No, he entrusted himself to the Father. That's why and Paul, Paul says in Ephesians 4, hey, in your anger, do not sin. There is a righteous anger. But then he goes right on to say, but put your anger away. Because most of you don't fit that exception. Most of you have unrighteous anger that's destroying you and your relationships, and you need to put it away. It's not honoring to God, and it hurts people. Proverbs 29, 22 says it this way, a man of wrath stirs up strife. Strife is disagreement in the community, and one given to anger causes much transgression that's stirring up sin or, or trouble, that your anger often hurts other people. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, our primary call to obey, like it's not an option. Our primary call to obey as believers in Jesus is called the Great Commission, to make disciples, make followers of Jesus. We also see the, the Great Commandment. What, what is it? Love God and love neighbor or people, right? That's our primary call. Like what's the primary purpose of your existence? To make followers of Jesus and to love God and love people. That's our primary call, that we are to obey. And yet how many of us, because of our anger, we don't draw people to God, we push people away from God. Like, I, I don't know about you, but Easter baptisms, weren't, weren't they amazing? Amen. I mean, weren't they fantastic? We just, not just seeing them go down in the water and come back out, but hearing their stories of life change. And, you know, we heard a lot of stories. Like, we saw a lot of tears. It was amazing. It was profound. And I've been a pastor for a bit now. I've seen several baptism services. I've heard a lot of testimonies before they, they get into the water. Do you know the one testimony I've never heard in my life? Hey, you know, I was actually, I was running hard away from God, and I was just rebelling against God, and I was stuck in my sin. But, you know, when Joe yelled at me, when, when Susie scolded me, when John berated me online, 
It was only then that I gave my life to Jesus. Go down the water, come back up. Woo! You ever heard that testimony? Me neither. But I've heard numerous testimonies of I was running hard away from God. I was stuck in my own sin and my own anger. And for some reason, my spouse kept loving me. And this friend kept reaching out to me. And therefore, I thought, man, there's got to be something to this whole God thing. This whole Jesus, while, while we were yet sinners, Romans, Romans 5, he died for us. Man, who would do that? There's got to be something there to his love because I've seen the love of his people. See, why is anger such a big deal? It dishonors God. It doesn't reflect the character and nature, the person and work of your God. And you can't do the very thing you're called to do. Make disciples of Jesus, love God and love people and be plagued with anger. So it's a big deal. And yet many times we we excuse our anger. We talk about other sins like adultery. And we're like, man, that's a big one. That's a big deal. But then with anger, it's like, uh, I just kind of loose with my tongue. I mean, even with pastors, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we were looking at all these passages of qualifications, characteristics of a pastor. And it does say you should not commit adultery. But it also says you should not be quarrelsome. And as someone who is in networks and circles with with pastors and even hears people talk about pastors that they love to listen to online or celebrity pastors that they really look up to and admire, man, I hear people all the time, they condemn a pastor for committing adultery. And they say, yeah, he should be exiled. And yet the pastor who is loose with his tongue or takes people's head off, we put fire emojis next to their Instagram post. We exalt them for their anger, for their quarrelsome nature, which last I checked, it's on the same list as adultery. We minimize anger. We minimize quarrelsome. Oh, it's just a respectable sin. I mean, you don't want to mess with him. You don't want to mess with her. Like it's some badge of honor. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're reading the same New Testament that I am. It's a big deal to God. It dishonors God. It hurts other people and it eventually hardens us. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. That root of bitterness, it's, it's meant to give you that imagery of, hey, that bitterness is so far deep, it's under the root, you can't see it, but eventually it's going to spring up. And it's going to defile you. And how many of you, you, you've been so angry at somebody for what they said or what they didn't say, what they did or what they didn't do at work or at home or with a neighbor, whatever the case may be in this church. And it's just ripping you up for a few weeks, months, maybe even years. Maybe you've carried it from another city to this city. And you eventually get up the courage to go talk to that offender, to go talk to that person who said that thing or didn't say that thing. You call them, you go talk to them, and you explain it, and your your voice is trembling, and you're so angry. And they respond, man, just to be honest, can you Can you be a little bit more specific? I don't even remember what you're talking about. What? (laughs) It's been ripping me up. 
I've been going like Rocky Balboa on you at the gym. Like, you didn't even know about it? No, I, when was that day? Oh yeah, man, my, um, I didn't eat lunch that day. <laughs> I, my, actually, my wife and I had a huge argument that day when I left the house. Bro, that, I'm sorry, that had nothing to do with you. And yet, you, you thought anger was helping you. No, it's robbing you of days, of weeks, of months, of some of you, years. And it wasn't helping you. It wasn't helping the other person. It wasn't helping the situation. But you, you believe that it is. That's why Ephesians 4 says, don't give the devil an opportunity with your anger. Man, the devil will use your anger to destroy other relationships, but he'll also use your anger to destroy your very soul. And some of us, man, that's what's happening. That's what's been happening over the last few years. You think, no, I love getting angry. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to just, you're a ninja warrior on your keyboard. You just feel so good. But it's rotting out your soul. It's hollowing you out as a person. And that's Satan. That's not God. That's not righteous anger. It's not helping you. It's hardening you to God and to everybody else. Why is anger, anger such a big deal? It is in so many different ways. Do you excuse anger or do you confess anger? Do you see it how God sees it in your life? Do you, as Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, do you deal with it quickly or do you let it linger and fester? Oh my, we be a church that is the light in a dark place and how we deal with anger, that we might go to the dinner, we might go to the lady of wisdom, the house of wisdom in the midst of, of anger, and not folly and not death. Here's our second question is, where is anger coming from? Where is anger coming from? Two things I'm gonna give you, outrage outside and fear inside. I was thinking about all the shows on TV now that, that are built on outrage. I'm a sports fan, and so I watch a few of these, like Pastoral Confession, okay? Uh, like shows like First Take and Undisputed. The, the entire show, it's not just uh, revealing highlights from the night before. The entire show is built on outrage, right? On anger. Anybody else watch these shows? It's a safe place. You can admit that, yeah. But, but what I notice is it's not just sports or politics, that this has invaded every kind of, of show. Uh, a couple examples, lip sync battle. <laughs> I, I don't know anything more friendly than a lip sync. This is kind of fun. And yet we attach the word battle to it. Let's make that angry. <laughs> Let's make that quarrelsome, even just lip syncing. Uh, another show, Cupcake Wars. Cupcakes are sweet. Nobody needs to have a fight over cupcakes, much less a war. And no, no, that's what we love. That's, that's what sells tickets. That's what sells ratings is, is how can they fight? Like, what if they just cooked amazing cupcakes? No, what if they fought about the amazing cupcakes? What if they just talked about sports and the beauty of, of soccer? It's a beautiful game. No, let's let them fight about it. Oh yeah, that's what we want. But it's, we have an outrage culture, there's outrage outside that is creeping inside. You know how it's, that's happening? Even for the church, 
The reality is many of us practically in our day-to-day lives, in our, in our weeks, we are not being discipled by Christ. We are being discipled by culture. And so we watch those shows. We got our AirPods in, listening to anger and outrage. And we do it for like not just 30 minutes at lunch. We do it for hours. How many of you, you, you've been on a screen, your social media newsfeed, or you've been watching one of these debate shows filled with quarrelsome nature? And how many times you get off that screen like after 30 minutes or two hours or five hours, don't tell your boss, and you get off of that and you put it away and you don't even know how to articulate it, but there's this like low-grade anxiety and anger within you when you leave that. And you're trying to remember, like, what did I see on there? What did he say? And you're like, I don't even know. I just feel anxious and angry. Anybody with me? There's an outrage outside that affects your your anger inside. Proverbs is going to tell us, 1320, Proverbs 1320, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Some of that's like your companions are the people you work with, the people around the water cooler with, and y'all are just saying all these things that are very quarrelsome and not, not healthy for your soul in regard to anger. But some of it's the companions in your AirPods. Some of it's the companions of Fox News and CNN or whatever news channel you like. Some of it's the companions of the voices on Facebook that you went to high school with 20 years ago that you don't even talk to, and yet they inform and affect how you deal with anger. Why why are we so angry? We're being discipled by an outraged culture, not by Christ. I mean, just think about the amount of, I mean, this is a convicting sermon. Anybody just want to take a breath? Oh, Jesus, help me. How much time do we spend doing that versus how much time do we spend saturating our mind and our heart with the words and the wisdom of God? we, We need to realize this input is leading to an output and it's destroying us and our churches and our communities. And we need to wake up and we need to turn from the house of folly with our anger and turn to the house of wisdom and life where Jesus is with our anger. How are you dealing with your anger? See, the reality is we we do have to to deal with it. That's our our third point is how do we deal with our anger? We see it as a, a tool, not a weapon. We go to forgiveness, not bitterness. We'll get to both of those things, but, but we actually have to, I know this is uncomfortable, but we have to deal with our anger. Here's what anger is. It's an indicator, not a dictator. It is meant to indicate things, like something is wrong. It's like your check engine light. And some of you, this is a, this is a really relevant example in your life because it's happened a lot. Maybe it's happening right now. Your check engine light is on in your car. There's only a few ways you can handle that. One way, like many of us, we ignore it. <laughs> and we think, oh, I'm sure it's fine. It sounds fine. It's like, when did God make you in a mechanic? You know, like, I don't know if you can accurately assess this. We're like, no, I'm sure I, my, I'm still driving. It's, it's great. I'll just fill it with gas. That'll fix it. And you just kind of ignore it. 
And what happens? Smoke. (laughs) You're on the side of the road one day. Or instead of like a $300 fix, it's like a $5,000 fix. You know, because something under the hood was actually wrong. You can't just ignore it. Some of you, this is what you do with your anger. Your spouse is making you angry, saying things that you feel like are belittling and not honoring. There's people in this room you've had conversations with and you left them and you're like, man, I just don't feel like they respect me. I don't feel like they actually love me or value my opinion. And you, you get a little angry and yet you just push it down. And like ping pong balls in water, they will eventually rise. You can't push them down for too long. And yet you, you ignore it, you suppress it. And a quiet bitterness begins to develop in your soul. We need to deal with our anger, not ignore it. Right? Some of us, we overreact like to that check engine light. Some of you, that check engine light comes on, you're like, not today, Satan. I'm taking this, like, I'm selling this car, like Carvana will take it. Like, I'm taking it to a dealership. I'm taking it to a junkyard. Get rid of this piece of trash. You're like, it's a 2019 Toyota. Like, maybe you just need an oil change. Take that filter out. Like, some of you overreact in your anger. You start lashing out at everybody online. Where if there's a keyboard near you, watch out. Like you're going to throw it or type something really mean on it. In your anger, you lash out. The check engine light comes on. You overreact. And that's what destroys people in your life. Some of you are like, how come I can't get a date? How come I can't maintain a friendship? It's like, bro, you just go crazy on everybody all the time. You, you lash out and berate people all the time. We overreact to that check engine light, overreact to that anger. The third option, the wise option, is that we actually deal with it. We take a look under the hood, or we pay somebody else who knows what they're doing to take a look under the hood. We get some counseling. We go to somebody in our community group who maybe can see a little bit more objectively, and we say, hey, man, can I just just share something with you? Like, um, what this other person said, what happened at work, what's going on in my marriage right now, what's going on with my kids. Man, I just, like, I'm getting frustrated. And like, man, can you call up some balls and strikes here? Like, am I seeing this right? Can you kind of referee this situation? Like, am I, am I seeing this right or am I kind of off here? You go, you go to God's word, you start reading the book of Proverbs, which has 31 chapters. You can read a chapter a day and be done in a month. And you read about wisdom and folly and anger and and how a gentle word can turn away wrath. And you start meditating and saturating in the words of God and the wisdom of God so he can heal your anger. Not so you can run from it, not so you can overreact to it, but actually deal with your anger. See, if, if we were to deal with our anger as a church, as a community of Christ followers, like it can actually be used and redeemed and reigned in for good. We can use our anger as a tool, not a weapon. Right? Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. He says, whoever is slow to anger Whoever rules his spirit, the reality is anger is there. 
but it's under the Spirit's control. It's, it's under self-control guided by the Spirit. And that can be powerful. I think about Mr. Rogers. How many of you grew up watching, watching Mr. Rogers? How many of you, your kids watched the stolen version of that Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? <laughs> I don't know if they got his permission for that, but like it's the same show. Okay? It's just animated with the tiger. But like, man, Mr. Ro- I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood every morning, and I just thought, what a nice man. <laughs> what a nice guy. And that's why they made a movie about him, put Tom Hanks in it just a few years ago, revive this thing, because they're like, that's so weird that people were kind just to be kind. So weird that people were gentle and calm and nice and like put on a sweater to start their day. There's something going on there. And we're like, man, that's, we're, we love that. But I was actually listening to an interview about Fred Rogers just the other day. Did you know that primarily he was motivated by anger and pain to start that show? That he was bullied as a kid. He was called Fat Fred. That he didn't think kids had a voice. And that that made him angry and it fueled him so that he started a, a show to give kids a platform. And you see, we had a, we had a counselor come and talk to our staff uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I met with him personally and he met with our staff and, and just kind of taught us a, a lesson on feelings and like the eight core feelings. And he talked about anger. It was so fascinating. He talked about how anger a lot of times can be driven by fear. And if that fear is not dealt with, that it can lead to a rage. So oftentimes, you know this, you'll have bullies. Why are they a bully? Well, because they were bullied. And they vowed, this will never happen to me again. And so they lash out, they overreact in anger. And yet, redemptively, if we give our fears to God and we give our anger to God, our counselor Phil talked about it can lead to passion. And that passion can actually help people and honor God. It's like when somebody gets abused when they were a child and it made them angry and it made them fearful, but they dealt with it with God and with God's people. And now they're an advocate against sexual abuse because that that anger and that fear and that pain, they dealt with it in a healthy way, in a wise way. And now it's, it's led to a passion. And they're not re- revengeful and, and, and trying to tear other people down. No, they're like, hey, I'm gonna protect all these other people from getting hurt. It's gonna lead to a passion. It's a tool. It's not a weapon. That's what anger can be redemptively with wisdom with God's word, that you would use it that way. I don't know what makes you angry, but what if it was refined and redeemed by Jesus Christ and could actually be used as a passion to help others, not hurt others, to fill you up, not empty you out. That's what God has in store for our anger if we deal with it wisely. The last thing is forgiveness, not bitterness. Right after we read the verse we read earlier in Ephesians chapter four, to put away anger and bitterness, it doesn't say just remove it. It says you got to replace it. Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. 
See, there's always a connection between the the vertical and the horizontal, that forgiven people forgive. That when you realize, Romans 5, 8, that while you were still a sinner, Christ loved you so much, when he could have been angry at you, when he could have brought his wrath against you for all the ways that you sinned against him. Instead, he, he loved you. He died for you so that he could forgive you. And when you realize the gravity and the weight of your sin, that Jesus died for you, but he also died because of you. That all of your sins, past, present, and future, omission and commission, thought, word, and deed, all of those sins is what put Jesus on that cross. And yet when you place your faith in him by no merit of your own, he wipes the slate clean. He forgive you, forgives you completely, f- fully, forever. And when you realize you've wounded the Son of God that way, instead of retaliating against you, he loves you, he heals you, he forgives you, he shows grace to you, he adopts you into his family. When you realize you've been forgiven that much, you can't help but forgive. It's so interesting in Matthew chapter five, when Jesus is talking about anger and he says, hey, some of you say, hey, if you commit murder, you should be judged by God. And he says, hey, but I say to you, if you even had anger in your heart towards a brother, it's the same thing. And what he goes on to say is, hey, if you're actually at an altar like this and you're worshiping God and you're making sacrifices to God, but you have a brother that has wronged you, you better leave that altar, go find that brother. And you better reconcile with him horizontally if you're going to worship me vertically. And I always just think that's so interesting that Jesus says it that way. Because I would think he would say, hey, first finish up your sacrifice. Hey, after you've worshipped me, because I'm worthy of all your worship. After you've worshipped me vertically, then go deal with your brother horizontally. And he says, no, 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 no. The way you worship me vertically is the way you reconcile with other people horizontally, that they're intertwined. And we ain't got time today, but I got Matthew 6, 14 through 15, Mark 11, 25, Colossians 3, 13, Luke 6, 37, that all say the same thing. If you wanna be forgiven by God, you better start forgiving other people. That we replace our bitterness with forgiveness. And it's, listen to me, some of you are thinking about the person who has wronged you, the person who said that thing or did that thing to you, the person who abused you. And you're like, Tim, but you don't understand what they did to me. I, I can't just wipe their slate clean. I can't just cancel their debt. I can't just forgive them. And what I would say to you is in that moment, what you're doing is you're trusting them, not trusting God. And I'm not asking you to trust them. I'm asking you to trust God and forgive them. Do you see the difference? Deal with your anger. Maybe that means you don't go talk to that person because it's not a safe thing, but you write them a letter. So you're thinking, well, Tim, if it's abuse, like we, we forgive them, but we report them. Absolutely. Because out of love, not out of revenge, but out of love, you do not want them to hurt other people but you can still forgive them, even if you don't trust them. You trust God, you forgive other people, no matter what they did. 
Because if you don't, man, that's taking the poison pill. You're expecting them to die, but it's killing you. And some of you know what I'm talking about today. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your, your, your workplace environment. It's killing your friendships. It's killing your church community because of your unwillingness to deal with your anger and, and forgive as God has forgiven you. So we're going to end our time. We're going to take communion today. And let me just say this, man, some of you, you need to today, like we're worshiping at an altar right now. I know not all of you are down here, down front, but this is what we're doing. We're worshiping God right now. And some of you, Jesus is telling you, hey, before you start singing, you need to apologize. You need to forgive. You need to practice these few words of like, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I know that's hard. I mean, isn't isn't that hard to say? They're not hard words to pronounce, but they're so hard to say. I just thought, what if we just practice right now? Would y'all just, on the count of three, we're going to do this together. You ready? Some of you are like, why did I come to church today? Goodness. We're going to just practice together. Y'all ready? We're going to say this. I'm sorry I was wrong. Some of y'all mumbled or did not say anything. (laughs) This is why we're struggling, guys. And then I want you to say on the count of three, will you forgive me? Three, two, one. Will you forgive me? And then I forgive you. You can say, yeah, just keep it going. We got all the time in the world. Right, Kyle? (laughs) Kyle's so nervous right now. Uh, It's okay, guys. Um, Man, what if we made that our culture? How would other people see that? I think we'd be a light in the midst of a darkness. I think we'd be wise people pointing to a wise God. I think other people, man, we're not yelling at them about our faith, but we are, we're saying, hey, come in and experience how we can treat people this way. I think God would move powerfully in and through our church if we were forgiving people because we have been forgiven. Amen? We're going to take communion in a moment. The ushers can come down and get ready for that. Here's what I would invite you to do is just take those elements. I'm going to come back up here and lead us in communion, and we'll take it together. Uh, but when you get those elements, just hold them in your hand. And I would, I would just exhort you. Man, maybe you need to send a text. Maybe, maybe you need to hold the hand of your spouse and, and just confess and forgive right now. Uh, maybe you're struggling with how to do that. And a little bit later, when we start singing, we'll have people on my right and left to pray with. Maybe you need to talk with somebody else about this to get some wisdom about this issue in your life. What I would say is, just like Jesus said, man, man don't just keep worshiping, going through the motions, and don't reconcile this in your heart. God has you here by appointment, not by accident, to do this today. Let me pray, and then we'll partake in communion. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for this difficult topic that we all need to deal with of anger. God, help us to deal with it, not ignore it, not overreact to it, but deal with it by your spirit, with the person of Jesus, with the help of our community. God, as we grab these elements, maybe we would just take a moment and pray and confess our anger to you and the way it's offended you, the way it's dishonored you. Maybe we would take a moment and confess it to our our neighbor, even if we have to cross an aisle. That's what we're here for. We're not here putting on a show. This isn't about pretense. God, this is about getting healed. 
That's what you want for us. And so may we experience that this morning. God, help us. Give us the power that we don't have to forgive, to be forgiven. We pray that in Jesus' name.